0: there right, we go okay thank you jesus for um the beautiful day that we have the opportunity to gather thank you for the words lord that you gave me to pass on i pray that you be with those who are here so that their heart, hearts and their ears will be open and that i speak what you want me to speak and not just um what it is i think i have to say in jesus name amen I thought I was winning my battle with the wind, but I'm not. We'll figure it out. Okay, today we're talking about uh, Genesis chapter 3. And, um, and and it's kind of a weird topic to, to think about, because it's, it's, Genesis chapter 3... That's when the fall of man happens. That's when all of this goes really far south. And I thought for a second, is that really what I want to talk about at Church in the Park? But then I got some kind of things highlighted to me as I was going through the chapter that I think are really good. If we really pay attention, in Genesis chapter three, you could really pick out the heart of God in our our midst, in our troubles, and and his characteristics. I think there were some key characteristics that I wanted to draw us out of Genesis chapter 3 as, um, as we went about. So that's kind of going to be the core, like the spine of this sermon. And I might branch out here and there. And uh, oh, I'm also going to try to time myself to 20 minutes. You guys think I could do it? <laughs> hey, <laughs> somebody said no. Let's go. Cool. I'm with you. I don't think I can do it either. Okay, so open up your Bibles. We're going to go through Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing at once. We're kind of going to go through it um, together. And I'm going to pause whenever I feel like it. Okay, so Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts that the Lord had made. Right, like this this is when Adam and Eve... Everything's been created. They're standing in the garden, and they're having this interaction with uh, the serpent, right? And the serpent can be described as evil, where evil is is at. It could be described as Satan in the garden. And, and so they're standing there, and he says that the serpent is more crafty than anything that the Lord had made. And I, I did want to pause just for a second there to say that um, he's he's craftier than we are like, if you just think for a second that Satan was able to talk a third of the angels in heaven into thinking that this sucks, right? So it must not be very hard for him in this interaction to fool us, you know and um, And what, that's what we're gonna see unfold here He said to the woman <laughs> Did God actually say that you shall not eat of this tree in the garden? In uh, in, in, in Genesis verse two, uh, in Genesis chapter two, verse sixteen, is when we see God actually dole dole out that commandment, and He's talking to Adam, and He says, "All right, Adam, all of this land I've given you, it's yours, okay? But there's a tree." tree of knowledge of good and evil it's in the middle of the garden don't eat from it and after that he's like you know what isn't good what isn't good is that I haven't made a helper or somebody for you a partner for you and so he gives out the commandment and then after he makes Eve right and in this interaction you see the serpent is actually talking to Eve and we'll get more into that in a little bit but I there was a question that has come around is why was the tree there why did God put a tree in the garden in the first place and, and then um, <laughs> allow, allow them to be there with it because God is interested in authentic real relationship had he not done that they would have had no choice and and the things that have no choice are like robots right true love true relationship and and that deepness comes when somebody has a choice to do to leave but they choose not to you know like some some of us that are married maybe you have a moment where you think like wow I can't believe that my wife loves this and she chooses this again and again and some of you will learn that and some of you have learned that (laughs) But there's a beauty in it, that you're like, I am loved, I'm wanted, right? And not that Jesus was seeking, or God was seeking to be wanted, but if you don't have a choice to walk away, if you don't have a choice, then there cannot be any love. There cannot be that profound relationship. Why was the tree there? I believe that that's why the tree was there. Um, But but the serpent was talking to the woman. Now, here's something that I want to point out. Why was Adam and Eve even at the tree? Right? If you know that you're not supposed to do something, why even flirt with it? Why, would go, why go near it? And, and that's something that we like to call catching the little foxes, right? If you know that you're supposed to stay away from something, you're kind of playing with hot water if you're going right next to it. Like if you're a recovered alcoholic, probably shouldn't be hanging outside the bar, saying, oh, I wonder, you know, If I'll be okay just being here and uh, and so the serpent is talking to the woman and I believe that because she didn't directly hear from God maybe there was a weakness there that he that the serpent knew about and he's talking to her and he starts to sow doubt in verse um, 2 says did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden, said. And the woman replied, We may eat of the fruits of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, uh, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. It says, and then we'll go on here. It says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, which is kind of an ounce of truth hidden behind a pound of lies or I think I got that backwards but you get what I'm saying right because we know that they ate and they didn't drop dead at that moment right and that's what he's saying but out of sin the penalty for sin is death eventually they would and death would enter the world continue in verse 6 for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing Good and evil. I think that that doesn't mean that they didn't they, they, they didn't at that moment know exactly what evil was and what good was, right? They know that God is good. They have a relationship with Him already, um, and they know what they were ought not to do. and And so, what that actually means um, is that you will be able to discern for yourself, and you will be able to decide what good is. And what evil is and uh, and and I think part of the temptation in them and part of the enticing that he's offering is saying that you will be like God you you will be on the same playing field as God deciding for yourself what good is and what evil is and that is still something that is very apparent in our culture today that's still in every culture that's still something that we we see right and that's what um, And as Christians, that's why we believe that we anchor to good as what's in the Bible. John chapter 1, verse 1 starts off by saying that in the beginning was God, and in in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. We believe that the Bible is the final authority on everything because the Word was God. Our connection to God is through the Word here in the Bible, and we anchor to that as good. But there are, um, and we fight constantly with deciding for ourselves what is good and what is evil. And that was also part of the temptation that Adam and Eve had. So moving down, um, hold on, I don't, there we go. (laughs) I was afraid that I would pull it too high and then it would just kind of topple over and fall, but I overcame my fears. (laughs) <laughs> so when the woman saw that the tree oh was was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye and that uh, the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate i I've heard a lot of uh, teaching that Eve was to blame you know for for the downfall of man because she was the first to eat but the Bible clearly says here that Adam was there and he was with her and and here's the problem that Adam had is that he was quiet he was the one that was told exactly what not to do directly. he was the one that the instruction was given to and he stood there quiet while this interaction happened you ever wonder like, why didn't you do something? What would, what would all of this had looked like had you smacked the apple out of Eve's hand? Be like, no, remember, accountability, right? But he stood there absolutely quietly. And, um, and this is the opposite, a complete opposite that Jesus did when he came down to earth. He was loud about everything that needed to be loud about. And um, so, but as, as a dad, I want to speak to the dads for a little for a quick second is that we struggle with the same same kind of silence we struggle with the same kind of quietness as men I, I think that partially it's inherent in us to to wrestle with this quiet sometimes not to do the good that we know that we ought to do in our in our families um, As fathers sometimes we tend to be silent let's be honest with ourselves how many times have we um, have our loved ones needed or wanted us to touch their loneliness with our words or our presence to touch the situations that we may have been sweeping under the rug right and and we choose silence because maybe it's difficult or maybe it's awkward. Or maybe we have doubt in our own life. Remember here, the serpent first sows doubt, and then he tempts. How many of us, and, and maybe, I'm sure this applies to, to some mothers and women out here too. But I'm a dad, so I'm speaking to the fathers. And if the Holy Spirit chooses to download something on you, that's great. But um, we, we're often we're often too silent. And how many times have we, um, retreated we haven't lifted up an encouragement we torment ourselves later when you're laying in your bed of all the the things that we should have done and how we should not have been silent there are situations in all of our lives that we need to be loud about but here is what you need to understand too is that Adam was silent in our nature we just are God's nature is to be loud right and so this If you're thinking, like, oh, there's something that I should be doing that I'm not, right? It's not for you to manage how to not be silent. Not to go and find a book and to read it and say how to overcome. Jesus is that. And so as you grow closer to him, he will become the loudness in you. And in the coming chapters, we're going to see exactly how God was loud for Adam and Eve. And we're going to see exactly how God is loud for you and he is loud for us and he doesn't say silent Adam's silent was lethal what he could have stopped he did not and then from that death and sin entered the world Um, and for, for them it was an immediate moment doubt was first am I good enough can I really affect any change? Am I really the person to bring change to my family? Am I really the person to bring change to my community? Am I really the one that can walk up to somebody and and help them out and give them something that they need? There's doubt. And then after doubt comes temptation and silence. And for Adam and Eve, it was an, an immediate thing, right? It was immediate. It all happened in a very short span of time, but that's not always the case for us. Sometimes... We are silent and we fight with temptation for extended periods of times, 10 years, 20 years. And then all of a sudden, the bite comes and we realize that it's too late. Says he, he took it and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. The ball dropped, the hammer dropped, right? They took that bite and immediately they were thrust into a reality that they could never get out of, right? Their eyes were open and they, they walked past that threshold and they made a mistake and they realized that they can never go back to what it was. They can't reach out and grab it, it's 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 fled from them. We find ourselves in moments like that too. Whether immediate, right? Where you do something, you say some words that are harsh and you just, you can't take them back. And they've, they've exited your mouth, they've hit the ears that they were intended to hit and you've made a mistake. But sometimes, like I was saying, sometimes it's over prolonged periods of time. You get into these situations, and they bring you to desperation. And that's what was happening here to Adam and Eve. They were desperate. They were brought into this desperate situation. They realized that they were naked. Now, I don't know what that is like because we've all been able to know when that is for us, but they didn't know. And then they realized that they were, and they were ashamed and they hid. And it said in in verse nine, uh, or verse eight, that they sewed fig leaves together. They They started hiding themselves. They made a plan on how they were going to deal with this. And they hid. Now, now here's where God re-enters the story. And where uh, and we really get to see his heart for us. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. This is verse 9. In the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. I, I personally relate to that. I know that I'm up here, Pastor Ben, I'm teaching the Bible to you guys, but this is still a habit of mine um, that I need to figure out, that I need to fix, that I need to humble myself. When I mess up and I make a mistake, I hide myself too, until, until it gets so bad and, and then I pray and I feel like I really should have done this earlier, I really should have reached out earlier, and, and it's not just me, shame causes you to hide yourself. And, we hide, and they hid themselves from the Lord and he was walking out now here's the first one but the Lord called to the man and he said where are you you guys ever read this and why wonder why an all-knowing God created the universe asked them where they where they are it's not like he's playing hide-and-seek and he doesn't actually know there's obviously there's something else that's happening he's walking out and he's saying where are you and and I wrestled with that for a while I wonder what it would have been like had Adam and Eve come out of the bush in their fig leaf loincloths and said, "We made a mistake. You know, would God have forgiven them and it would have been okay? I don't think so. I think they they already, like I said, they passed that threshold and they can't go back." He was asking, "Where are yeah, you?" The importance is is God's approach to Adam and Eve because it's not a comfortable thought, but we need to realize that it was fully within God's. Uh, he, he, wouldn't vi- he wouldn't have violated his justice had he come and swing it with bolts of lightning. Gone, right, to Adam and Eve. He could have done that, but he came in, calm and collected, right to where they are, and he says, where are you? He's offering them an opportunity. He's initiating a conversation with them, right? One thing that we need to understand about God Is that he is fully sustained as love the giver love the receiver and love itself so when he created mankind it wasn't out of a need right because had he created us out of need that would have meant that he would have created us out of power of position first right because in order to have power you need to have a need but God created us out of position of love first God is love first right not power first and the what the trickle effect down from that is love first is loud power first is quiet and what I mean by that is that a lot of us have had parents who were power first who we, we grew up into their households and they were they were power first and so when we got in trouble our reaction was I messed up don't tell dad hide from dad, whereas a love first position, I messed up, I need to go tell dad, I need, I need him now. And a lot of us, we struggle with that and it's trickled over into our faith, right? We see God as power first dad. We see him as a power first figure in our life. And when we mess up, we retreat and hide, but we need to recognize that he created us love first. And his approach to us will always be love first. And that's what's happening here in the Garden of Eden. Where are you? He's initiating a conversation. He's presenting them the opportunity. He knows what the answer is gonna be, but what he's really saying is, allow me into your consequences with you. He is asking to be allowed into the consequence with you. And 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 that is out of a position of love first. When you when you mess up, you run to the father and he's like, Let me figure this out with you, right? We will we'll like go through this together. He says, Where are you? And and that is an example of God being loud. He's not sweeping it under the rug, he's not choosing to ignore it. His children are in trouble. And he's loud about them. and he's loud about us, too. Where are you?" Um, and he said, "I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself." He said, And the guy tells him, "Who told you then you were naked?" Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Again, with the question that he knows the answer to. And, it's, and I think there's, a, I, I don't have much of a point on this one. But I know that, um, I'm not going to say, who did a 12-step program? But the 10th step in a 12-step program is disclosure. And I think that God is looking for us to disclose to him what it is that, oh, You guys, 20 minutes already? I'm so sorry. We got another 20 to go. (laughs) I could restart the timer. Sorry. No, but he's, uh, that was idealistic of me to, to think that. Anyway, so he's looking for us to disclose to him what it is that has gone on. Right, Because when you begin to disclose this stuff, and, and this is the stuff we're talking about is when you've made mistakes, when you're ashamed, and when you're hiding. It's kind of like when you pull a rock up in the garden there's all the bugs crawling underneath. That's that part of your life that we're talking. Is that when you disclose that, the power of that begins to loose over you. Right? And God is looking here for disclosure between Adam and Eve and himself. Again, it, furthering and deepening the relationship Of allow me into this with you who told you that you were naked have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat the man said he blames the woman who you gave to be with me she gave me of the fruit and I ate and the Lord said what is this that you have done and the woman blames she says the serpent deceived me and I ate blame Um, so this this moment happens and then God begins to sort of dole out and dish out the consequences this is what life was like now this is what life will be like and um, in 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 the midst of this consequence is the first promise that God ever makes to humanity the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, on the, and uh, the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. This is where the problem, he's setting it up, okay? He shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That is directly pointing to Jesus, Right? Jesus crushed Satan at the cross, but Satan bruised Jesus in the sense that he was crucified. Moments after, uh, maybe I said that wrong too, but anyway, moments after the fall of man, already Jesus has a plan of how he's gonna restore everything, right? It didn't take him a few generations to figure it out as he's finding out what's going on he already knows that he is going to insert himself into the story and pay for that consequence for them right and 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 that again is a love first parent he knows that he's going to fix it he says i'm going to pay for this even though he doesn't have to he came up with the promise of salvation right away after they they fell and he he so i think that would give us an indication of what it is like to bring him into our situation when we invite God in immediately he knows what he's going to do and and he, he gives you promises to act as waypoints in your life on how to get there he continues on to give our consequences to the man and to the woman um, and then in verse twenty-one, we see another aspect of God's heart when we bring him into our consequences. Verse 21 says that uh, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Am I uh, I think I'm reading the wrong verse. Nope. Then, then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Here it is, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments out of, uh, of skins, and he clothed them. He, with a heavy heart, I'm sure, went to two animals and he used the skin from those animals to clothe Adam and Eve. Almost like a parent packing your suitcase for you when you're going on a trip, he knows that they're going to have to leave Eden now, and that what they, the plan they have for themselves, is not going to be enough to sustain them in this next chapter of their life going forward. He upgrades their garments to something that is going to carry them through um, now that they have to face the weather, and and sometimes we allow, we ask God into our consequences. We hope that he's just going to fix it and, give, and take it away. But sometimes he just gives you what you need in order for you to walk it out with him, right? You could read on in Genesis, and there are plenty of indicators that God actually helped them while they were out cultivating that new life, taught them how to do things. So he, he gave them the equipment that they need to walk out the journey so that it wouldn't kill them. He upgrades their clothing another act of love and um, we read on in verse 22 then the Lord God said behold the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever then it seems like God kind of cuts himself off worship team I'll get you back up back out in the sun and uh, he kind of cuts himself off God didn't want them. He's kicking them out of the Garden of Eden. Okay. Now I I always thought of that as a punishment of like, you don't get this anymore. You know, like when your kids do something bad and you just don't give them ice cream. You're like, oh, you don't get this treat. Eden is a treat, and you don't get this treat anymore. But God kicks them out of heaven, and he gives the reason. Out of heaven. Sorry. Kicks them out of Eden, and he gives them the reason. Here is like he says. Um, lest they take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever he did not want them to have access again to the tree of life I was reading about this because I wondered why doesn't he want that because and what the, the commentaries in the study after the study that I did I found that should they have been able to reach out and eat of the tree of life That was what sustained them eternally in Eden. So should they have been able to reach out again, they would have been eternally locked into a sinful state. That's what the theologians believe, that they would have been eternally unredeemable. And God kicking them out of Eden was actually an act of grace and an act of mercy. It's not that He was taking the treat away and that He didn't want them in Eden anymore. He was protecting them so that His salvation plan could come to fruition. Everything that He did, the garments, where are you, kicking them out, was 100% for them so that the relationship could be restored back to Him. Our, our often, our view of God is that he's gonna smite us and punish us when we do wrong. We're afraid of our consequences, but God has grace and mercy in everything that he does, right? His wrath is poured out on Jesus, and Jesus's grace has come to us. God wants him in our consequences. He wants to insert himself and, and walk it with us. Everything he did for Adam and Eve was for them. Should they have stayed in Eden and ate of the tree, they've been locked out forever. When you allow God into your desperation, he may drive you out of what seems good. But he's always doing that for what's great. Because in Revelations 22, chapter 2, God, you see that the tree of life is in heaven now you think about those few moments after God closed the doors set the angel with the flaming sword in front of Eden what did he do I imagine that he went turned around uprooted the tree of life put it in heaven revelations 22 1 to 2 that's where we see it When God allows you to go through desperation he might drive you out of what seems good for what seems great you know what's good was Eden what's great is heaven right because before we were just in a relationship with God where he would come visit us once or twice a day but now we're gonna get to move in we get to move into heaven he doesn't just visit anymore and and, and really this is the one thing I have to say is that when God restores something When we mess up and we're running away, and we're hiding, we let him into our consequences, it's not gonna be easy, but he walks them out with us. When we let God into that, he restores things always to better than it was before. Always, that is his character, right? We're not too far gone. You haven't done anything so bad, so terrible that you've somehow are past the extended reach of grace of God, right? He can take your situation. He can restore it better than it was if first was Eden, then was heaven. First is whatever it is. First is divorce, first is death. What's heaven? Because if you allow him in, he will walk it out with you and get you there. And there are testimonies of that all over. I have challenged you to find them. Um... And that's all I've got today, Genesis 3. God has care and God is loud about Adam and Eve. And God is loud about you. And when we allow God into our circumstances, we transition from being quiet to being loud. Not that we have to manage it, but He just is in us. And that's how that gets, that loudness gets in us. So we're gonna worship one last time. If you want to talk to anybody or we'll pray, um, I'm here. Kristen is somewhere in the crowd this way. James and Maria are somewhere in the crowd that way. Come find one of us, thank you.